spoken name. He lurked in the shadows, waiting and hoping she wouldn't take a different room. This was her usual room. He knew that. He knew her. Ghost of Me, the new book by Amanda Steele, can be found at Amazon, Kobo, Waterstones and many, many other Hi guys, it's Andy N. Thanks today for downloading or streaming yet another episode of Spoken Label. As you may or may not be aware, Spoken Label was started in the beginning of 2006, and currently we have well over 150 sessions recorded and sent. Although you can find it on various networks, the full archive is available for streaming and downloading at Spoken label full stop bandcamp.com. It is a free download or free stream in there. But obviously, if you feel like chucking me a few pennies that way, it'd be eternally grateful to help me keep this podcast going and keep improving my equipment, etc. Enjoy. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Spoken label. Spoken label. Hi guys, it's Andy N again, live from Spoken Label. Back on the phone again tonight, and I've got uh, another poet on the phone, of all things. This one's from my old hometown in Cholton. So, or Wally Range, actually, which is the next part down from there. Now, I've got, I, I, I like about spoken labellers, I occasionally get referrals come through from people. And this young lady, I haven't actually met her, but um, a good friend of mine that I cover and speak easy with, Stratford, recommended her recently to me, and I'll make a blush in a moment when I say this. But he met her at an open mic night that a friend of his ran in Cholton at Lloyd's recently. He described her as the best thing on that night. Now, Alice, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are, and we'll start from there. Yeah, sure, by the way, that's such a nice compliment. I felt really, uh, like I said, it's really it. that compliment. I know, it's um, I mean, okay, you came, you came on to it the day after Steve's and said, Andy, do a session with Alice, she's superb. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my name's Alice and I am from Only Range. I've lived here for a couple of years now. Um, so I started writing at the age of maybe seven or eight. Um, I started writing like short stories, poems, plays, basically anything that I could write, really. Hmm. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff, so. And um, did you find that, um, as you got a bit older, did, did you write in, did you carry on your writing or have you come back to it later on as an adult, really? Yeah, so, I mean, I, co- I continued with it. So I, um, I did an a undergrad degree in creative writing. Oh, fantastic. Um, where, where was that? At? In Hull. So, oh, nice. Um, like the home of Philip Larkin. So, um, yeah, I did that and I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, but then after I finished uni, um, I needed to like, kind of just find a job, really. So I just continue to write you know on the side of my hobby really yeah yeah of course yeah that's what i do to honestly that myself because i did my degree in bolton some years ago and it's been a hobby for me ever since but i said it's always just leads in different directions all the time so yeah. which is the best way so oh good stuff now obviously like I said before i know we were talking off mic and you a lot of your work it covers a lot of social issues doesn't it really now yeah, that's right. tell us about that then and now the what and how has in fact influenced your writing? Yeah, so I'm I'm really passionate about um, kind of talking about like mental health, mm. um, equality for women, for um, racial equality, gender equality, and class equality as well. 
Um, so I'm a black working class woman. So, mm. um, and you know, um, I I'm also training to be a counsellor. So I'm really passionate about mental health. Oh, so they're all good. issues that um, I really want to just kind of um, I want to get rid of the taboo. I want to get rid of the um, the stigma that's attached to those things, and I want to like educate people and encourage people and empower people. And I feel like I can do that best not through arguing or debating, but through writing. I feel like it can really reach people. And I've noticed it reaches not just poets, but people who don't write either. It you know it speaks to them as well. So for me, it's been a great way to get across my views. Oh, good stuff. No, good stuff, certainly. So now, um, as a writer, then. Have you had in, encountered any writers that have really inspired you so far? Um, just trying to think. I definitely have. Um, I, um, so George the poet. Have you heard of him? Yes, I have heard of George the poet. Yeah, his yeah. name's come up a few times now. Yes, I have heard yeah. of him. Yes. Um, I find him really inspiring because he talks about real issues that affect our society. Um, and Sully breaks. He's the same. He's in the black spoken word artist who again talks about um you know issues in in the society which would have been so that, that that's the kind of poetry that i'm really um inspired by no of course it's that like, like i'm always firm believer there's lots of different styles of poetry and different ways you can approach it and i just like person to try and catch as much as i can read and read and listen yeah. and hear as much as i can so no, i agree with you completely i get it's what may inspire one person doesn't always inspire another but I respect people for that, definitely so. Now, um, I know you've been, you say you've been performing poetry now for about four years, haven't you, so far? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what made you want to go into actually performing it? Um, well, I started going to, um, you know, to watch other people. I didn't realise that, that that was a thing. I didn't know that people perform poetry. Oh, yeah. Um, so when I first started going to one of my friends, I was like, oh, maybe one day I'll do that. But to me, it seemed so far away in my head. I was like, oh, there's no way, like it take so, so much guts to go up there but um, I kind of challenged myself and I was like right next time it's going to be you up there so then I just started like emailing around or speaking to the host to get myself up um, so yeah oh good stuff and what, what was the first night you ever read at? Can you say that again? what was the first night you ever read at or performed at? Um, it was it was called Raw it was at the Contact Theatre oh yeah so yeah 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 yeah. I know it was like a night yeah, and it was like, you know, it's not like a slam, it's just a night where people can come and share, you know, for the first time. So that was the first time I ever shared. Brilliant, brilliant. Obviously, like, I, always, I have to ask this, of course, because like, I remember my first time, I was going on stage and physically I'm really, really nervous. And Amanda, partner, she's a writer and performer as well, and Amanda's first time, I always remember this, she went on stage and she, she, I remember telling me that her legs were absolutely shaking afterwards. Did you find, did you have the sort of first time nerves yourself, didn't you, on stage? Oh, definitely. I was, I was terrified. And that, that never, that's never gone away. I think every single time I ever perform, I always feel sick with nerves before I go on stage. So then once I get on stage, it kind of goes away. But the first time I ever performed, I was, I was scared, I was shaking. Um, but it, but it also fills me with adrenaline. Like, I was still exhilarated after I've done it. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. Completely, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely. Have you found that, has your writing changed much since you started performing quite regularly? Yes, it, definitely. Um, I think I've put a lot more into it. So, because I know that I'm writing now for an audience, um, I'll go back over it, I'll edit it. Um, and I'm probably, I think I'm just a lot more uh, conscious about what I'm writing because I'm writing to share it. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. I think as well, 
when you, you know, you see the other poets and you see their writing, you become inspired by it. And so I think you just, even you're not copying, but you do kind of, you know, take and um, it does change your writing a little bit because you're inspired by other people as well and like their style. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. I know when I first started performing years ago, is yeah, what well, change and changes. I think it changes the person if you really get yeah. into it as well. That's for sure. And that one, I agree with you completely. And I know you said before off mic that you've actually performed in London, haven't you? Before now as well. Now, yeah, that's right. Yeah, how did that compare to Manchester? Um, it was actually it was. I think quite similar because I feel like people that go to poetry events, they're all kind of in, you know, um, that type of, um, what's the word, like, I don't know what the word is, but like, scenes. So they're all kind of, you know, artists, so they all kind of used to, um, used to poets. So I felt like it was quite similar. It was, really, it was a really welcoming crowd, it was really nice. So I performed twice in London. I performed... Um, I won a competition to open up a show. Oh, well, so I performed um, at a theatre, and then I've also a part of a collective called Rise Collective, oh, um, yes. and they basically have a bunch of artists from around the UK, um, and we're all about kind of getting our voices heard, and we talk about different social issues. I've also performed to them as well, but I found it quite similar. I think maybe Manchester and London have quite similar vibes. Um, uh, everyone was really welcoming and it wasn't, it wasn't too scary. Oh, that's good. I think you're right because I've, I've performed in I've done London a few times actually myself and it's, I think a lot of it is like it's, it's different, different, they write differently than different towns do and what, obviously the people who talk about it's slightly different issues but there is a, there is a common language in poetry for me and yeah. I think you probably found that yourself didn't you when you were performing down in London certainly so. Oh, excellent stuff. Now, I was going to ask you about, tell us a little bit, a little bit more about this collective then, because I didn't know about this collective you were in, so how, tell us a bit more about the collective then. How do you join this collective? And what what are their aims, etc.? What do you do? Yeah, so, okay, so it's called um, Rise Collective, and um, their, like, um, their uh, aim is, is, is basically about empowering and amplifying your voice. Mm. So it takes, like, um, young people from different parts of the UK um, and it's a chance to come together. Sometimes we'll have meetings about, you know, what we want to see improved or what we want to change about our society. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, th- and then um, we'll, we'll put on um, a night in London. We're, we're going to be putting one in Manchester, actually. So if there are any poets that are interested in performing, um, definitely let me know because we can get you a slot and you can be a part of that. Um, and then we've also, we also shot a video in London um, and it was all about kind of young people speaking out. So if you are interested and you do want to be a part of it, um, please, um, we're on Instagram as um, The Rise Collective. And Marla, she's the founder of it. So she, she um, used to work with my sister. So she reached out to me and um, told me about it and I joined up. But we are going to be setting up a group in Manchester um, for poets to come along and talk, to kind of talk about issues that they want to, get, they want to change and then we'll be writing about them. If anybody is interested, then that is an opportunity that will be happening in the new year. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. Good luck with definitely that one. So, um, what sort of plans do you have to have for your writing and performing next year? Do you have that? Oh, we're recording. If you might guess, we're actually recording in 2019. We're getting released in January 2020. So, what sort of plans do you have for next year, writing? Were you writing wise? Um, well, I'll be doing some poetry workshops. So, um, next year I'll be doing. It was with a charity called Being There, 
um, and I'll be doing um, writing workshops every Tuesday. Um, it's a brilliant, good luck. So my voice, my voice is croaky today. I'm sorry. So these are people who um, have either been affected by long-term illness or know someone who's been affected by long-term illness. It's a way just to have, have a space to see their voice and, you know, like be creative and have a space away from oh, all the things stuff. that they're good dealing stuff. with. So Brilliant. That. Where's, that, where's that going to run up then, if people are interested? Um, so it's going to be in Withington. Um, I don't have a location yet, but um, it has to be part of, the charity being there, but they can sign up on the website if they are interested. You know, like a yeah, yeah, of course. No, good stuff. Like I said it's um, no, I, I love love doing workshops today myself. So, not done it for a while, but certainly are good fun. So, have you done? Have you been doing many workshops before? Then, have you, or is this, or is this, is this something quite new to you? Yeah, I've done workshops before. So, um, I used to work. In, I used to do some work in Liverpool. I used to do um, workshops in. You know, like local youth centres. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, good stuff. Um, good stuff. So, yeah, we we'll just kind of pick a theme, and um, just about kind of. I think as well, poetry's got a bit of a stigma attached to it, especially for young people. Like, oh, you know, it's boring, or I've got to do it in school. But actually, poetry's whatever you make it. And yeah, you know, completely. That's what my aim is. Yeah. No, I could love it definitely. Cause, yeah, I think you're right. The stigma, I think, has started to change. Because certainly when I was at school, I'm older than you by a little bit. It was like all we had to we had to suffer was really bad poetry from the eighteen eighteen hundreds, and it's yeah. it's very. I'm sure you understand me yourself. Like it's very very hard. It's much harder to get that to relate to your life and the younger people. It's impossible. I think. Yeah, exactly. It's irrelevant, isn't it? To them? Yeah. So, Basically, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's trying to find a way to get it to relate to them, and that's and that's why I think the barriers are changing a lot with that nowadays. And I think it's going to be changing more in the next 10 years as well. But no, I can, I can good luck with it, definitely. I can see what you get to that moment. No, good luck with it, definitely. So, is there anything else you've got planned for next year, that or this year as it's going out? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm just kind of pushing myself to make sure that I perform at least monthly. There's so many things on in Manchester. Oh, yeah. Always, you know, oh, yeah. Looking to, to, to perform. So, I think just pushing myself to, you know, sign up and something every month. Because I think it's only really going to get better and better and as well it's a great way to network you always meet someone at a poetry event oh god yeah so, completely yeah. yeah I know I tend, tend to normally do a couple of months normally we do so we tend to do like say three or four a month and you're always meeting new people all the time and it's that's why it's really good about it definitely Have you, what's been your favourite nights that you've performed on so far then mm, that's a good question um, I think um Oh, so I was just having a think. Um, so I performed at Three Minute Theatre. Oh, yeah. Um, they used to have London Monthly, and uh, I, I performed there twice now. I think that was my favourite, because um, it's quite, it's, 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 been, but it's quite small, it's quite intimate. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, really, it's really friendly. Um, yeah, so I think I think that was my favourite place to perform. No, no, definitely. I know what you mean. It's a shame, actually, that venue's out. I get shut up, you know. Venue, sadly, yeah, so yeah. that's why I know it was lovely. The couple that ran it were a lovely couple, so shame, yeah, agree. But, but there's a lot, there's so many. What I'm finding a lot of mansion at the moment is one night finishing and another two or three are cropping up all the time. Yeah. And I was chatting to somebody about this recently, and there's somewhere in the vicinity, would you believe, there's about 30 different nights you can go to in the Man- Greater Manchester area. Oh, wow, there's loads. Yeah, run monthly, there's so many you can go to. But I'm saying, like, is that's how I keep saying I keep it to myself like if I wanted to do every single one of them I'd have no energy left and no yeah, time for writing so that's why but yeah it does there's so much going on it's 
And I think then like you can go to the outskirts more in Eikens. Because Manda and my partner's from Bradford. And we did our first reading in Bradford back in August. And she would give her a chance to read in her hometown. And I was chatting alone there to people what people were telling me, there's knights going up and down the northwest of England now. There's like, there's loads in Leeds, Bradford, yeah. Huddersfield, Liverpool, you name it basically. So, you know, definitely so many options going around and so much like podcasts, magazines, all kinds of things. No, I agree. Good luck, but definitely so. Now, if people want to find out more about you, Alice, where are the best going? Um, so you can go on my Instagram page, which is called Alice Grace Poetry. Um, or on Facebook as well, it's the same name, Alice Grace Poetry. Brilliant. That's fine. Now, Alice, of course, you're going to read some poems out for us a minute for us as well, aren't you? Yes, yeah. Right, definitely. what we'll then do is, as we always do, with this telephone interview, we'll take a quick break and we'll give, it, give me and you time to get ourselves ready. And I'll speak to you in like five minutes and I'll check this call saved properly. So is that okay? okay? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, Thank see you in five minutes then, okay? Take care. Okay. Bye. Spoken Hi guys, it's Andy and live from Spoken Label. Got Alice on the other side of the phone with me now and she's going to read out a few of her poems. Over to you, Alice. This first one's called Unleashed Voices. When I see a black woman with an afro, I rejoice. It's almost as if her afro is her voice, reclaiming back her identity which was long lost in a world of white beauty. Let me rephrase that to just beauty. Our view of beauty has been tainted. We have been acquainted with the ideology that long hair is desirable and light skin is admirable. An afro is unhirable, and so we've learned it's the only beauty that is reliable. In a world where whitewashing has been fed into our subconscious from the day of our birth, we use to control and manipulate until we truly forget our self-worth. It's as if our identity is under attack, to be stripped, searched and restricted, to portray a negative people that fail to be uplifted. Every day we are reminded of our ancestors' history, the cruelty suffered, the pain inflicted to cause our people misery. The young black female generation are led to believe that they do not have the skin fit for a Disney princess, that they are less, and royalty does not extend its whitewashed arms to us. Society teaches that black men should be feared and a part of the problem, when in reality prejudice robs them of what they were before the distraction of fear was installed. Called are we to make a choice, where our voices are heard and our faces are seen and our minds are at work, to consciously destroy the chains bound tight that enslave our minds of free thinking. And our voices are free speaking and our faces no longer stained as the pain of our grieving. I anticipate a world where prejudice will no longer be an entity. Racism will no longer see. And our children's children will be finally free. Fantastic. Really excellent stuff, Alice. Excellent indeed. Well, I really enjoyed that. Thank you for that. Okay, do you want to go straight into your second piece, boys? Yeah, sure. So this one is um, a superhero. My mother is my superhero. Daredevil might be to navigate without sighting. And Black Panther may have saved Wakanda through the fighting and DC have got Black Jesus on the streets, a.k.a. Black Lightning. But my mother... Well, I've never met anyone with the lightning of a superhero but she. Now, I'm not talking about red like her leggings and the cape down to her knees, but she made family everywhere on the streets and overseas. She wore a smile like the sickest cape you've ever seen. Her black curly hair framed her face and kissed her shoulders like the headdressing of a queen. And wherever she went, a respect followed her that cannot be commanded. She gave up love and respect, and so back to that was handed, and she overflowed with a depth of understanding I'm only starting to grasp. 
and she gave me the fullest of answers whenever I asked. She inhaled life and exhaled humility. She sacrificed and built a foundation of stability. She taught me that it was normal to feel fear and that sadness should not be refrained, that tears can be embraced and gladness can be attained. She showed me that her vulnerabilities could also be her strength and is channeled through the right way can take it to heights and lengths. My mother is my superhero. She did not need immortality to make a lasting effect. She did not need a dramatic ending and then suddenly resurrect like a superhero counterpart. Her energy flows through me and I feel her beat against my heart. In my being she lives. Right here is where she stays. She grows within my soul and lives within my DNA. She's the words that escape my mouth and the poetry on my page. Her resilience is in my bones. Her strength exceeds with cage. My mother is my superhero. Her legacy lives on. In my dreams, words, memories and thoughts, she is never gone. Thank you. Great stuff, yeah. I remember first you read that one to me, and I thought, I thought I, well, it was one of my favourite pieces of that one. I do not think it's great, though. Oh, mo- yeah, do not, cause well, we all can relate to that with our mothers and stuff, don't we? So mothers are superheroes in some ways, aren't they? So, yeah, definitely. They, they, may, they, may not, they may not get the press Superman and stuff like that, but yeah, I agree with that completely. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, okay. I know your third one for us, obviously, because we've talked before, haven't we? It's something a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, this is basically about my culture, mixed race, so speaking about all the different types, um, different sides of my culture, really. Brilliant. And what's this one called, then, for everybody knows? Okay, so this is um, Underneath My Headscarf. Brilliant. Underneath My Headscarf is not just my hair. It's three heritages, cultures collided. Despite the contrast, they naturally came together and abided. It's my dad's quick password. His lips moving so fast that to learn to keep up. My mum's soft-spoken English needing her to speak up. It's the stories of my granddad and his move from a West African world to a Western one, him venturing into a new life the culture he acquainted with gone. It's my mother's mum born into the privilege of white middle class, rebelling against society's love ideals despite the past. It's chicken, rice and peas at my dad's on a Sunday and shepherd's pie and gravy at my mum's on a Monday. It's growing up in Jamaica, the tales of his childhood, and his move from Jamaica to England as a child, his mother tongue misunderstood. It's the influence, English fire with a side of planting, my mother's memories of her outside gallivanting, and it's the long I was spent, my hair getting cane rolled and oiled, as I sat between my mum's legs as she combed my curls and curls. And as they grew older, it was a battle of which identity to embrace, wishing for long straight hair despite my race and not quite knowing where a foot would belong. Which race mother, Jamaican father, British born, my mind torn. It was pondering on which ethnicity box to tick. Hesitation. Black African, Jamaican, mixed with Caucasian. But it was learning that in fact I could embrace all three. Cultures that merged and contrasted and made up me. And underneath his headscarf is not just my hair. It's my ancestors and their fight for freedom that's there. But most importantly their courage, bravery and strength. And all that lives within my curls and coils, not straightness or length. These roots signify all that I am and all that I can become. My ancestry, my heritage, my dad and my mum. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Alice. That's fantastic. I really, really have enjoyed these three today. Brilliant. Thank you. Hang around, because I need a quick word as I was off the mic. But thank you again. That's been a brilliant session today and I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. So, take care, guys. I'll see you all soon. Bye. Spoken, mate. Spoken, mate.